Welcome to the RSP Quick Game Week 16, Mark Schofield. Week 16. My goodness, man. It, it, it's flying. It is absolutely flying. Um, we got games tonight. We got games Thursday. We got games Friday. It's it's absolute craziness. Matt's getting ready to travel. I just got done traveling. It's absolute chaos, friends. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope that Mark had a great trip. We're going to do a slightly abbreviated version because um, – one of us overslept, one of us being me. So, um, <laughs> that, hey, you know, the season's catching up with me. Season's um, catching up with everybody. Yeah. So, you know, I thought uh, the, 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 the Colts-Pats game was my favorite game this year. Um, and a big reason to me was Mac Jones. I just thought this is going to be a seminal moment in his young career. Um, I think he's a stud in the making. And the reason I think that is that when you watch this game and they're down by 20 and he threw two picks, he battled through that. And it was very clear that he didn't, you know, we know he doesn't have that one primary guy on the outside that he can, you know, quote unquote, force the ball to and make something happen in any, in, you know, a variety of situations. He has some good receivers. Steve Smith did a great job. I, I watched the end of the, the game, the end of game commentary that I normally don't watch. And I listened to Maurice Jones, Drew and Michael Irvin and Steve Smith. And you could tell that kind of Jones, Drew and Irvin were still kind of processing what happened in that game. Steve Smith kind of nailed it for me, though, because he was like, they just don't have a great, they don't have a top single receiver. He goes, and I don't mean to, like, and he was, like, kind to the other receivers. He was like, you know, those guys are fine. They're good, but they're not, they're not that one guy, you know, that you can go to. And when you watch the throws that Mac Jones made from, like, the wild throw on the rollout to the right back across the field while basically getting smacked in a way that, made the Nick Bolton hit we watched last year, you, you know, look like a, like patty cake, you know, and get back up after that and still have the aggression and the placement and, and then the spatial awareness in the pocket to make some of these, you know, abbreviated throws just wowed me, you know, because what that told me is this guy didn't, he, he didn't fold in a bad moment. He got better in a bad moment after a bad moment and you know when i see that i'm sold i'm you know especially after the year that he had so i'm just curious what you got out of this game yeah i i think this was in many ways a huge game for him from a developmental standpoint i think the two interceptions by and large were like good defensive plays yeah i mean Okiereke made, made a great play on the second one. Darius Leonard made a great play on the first one. But what stood out to me was the first interception where he's trying to hit the crosser and Leonard gets underneath it. You know, I then see him later in the game on the first touchdown while it's more of a scramble drill moment. He's got that same problem to solve where he has the underneath defender and where on the first one he put maybe not enough air on it. On the second one he took just enough off where he's able to work it around that underneath defender and hit Henry for the touchdown. That's what you want to see. You want to see a young quarterback sort of learn from mistakes. And Jones learned from the interception earlier in the game to make a better throw in that moment. He certainly battled. You know, there are a lot of people that have wondered what's going to happen when 
the New England Patriots have to throw to win. And they got themselves within three points at the end of that game. And you have the long touchdown run from Taylor. Obviously, you get a blocked punt touchdown. You get two interceptions. And New England was still in that game. And I think this was a good game for him. It wasn't a great game from him. But I think it was a great response to the first two mistakes and how he struggled early in the game to battle back in that moment. And so I, I think it was a good game from him in that respect. And I think Patriots fans, you know, looking back on it, yeah, it, you don't want to lose a game, but sometimes you lose a game, but you win in the big picture. And I think that's where you could kind of look at it right now and say, he'll learn from this and he'll get better from it. We already have evidence of them doing that in the game. Yeah, absolutely. So, Let's talk about free agents. Who is the free agent you're most excited about in this offseason in terms of seeing where they sign? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, looking at free agents right now, obviously you hate to see Chris Godwin get hurt. You, yes. you hate to see that. Um, but you just mentioned a team that needs an alpha wide receiver. And, you know, as a New England Patriots fan, obviously selfishly I'm looking at Chris Godwin as somebody that can operate on a number of different levels do a number of different things in the passing game and think, well, there you go. I mean, I know there's a lot of excitement about Devontae Adams and where he might end up, Allen Robinson and where he might end up, although Robinson kind of scares me at this point. I actually wrote about that recently over at Football Guys. But I, I think for me it's Godwin, you know, because I think you look at New England, you look interestingly enough at Detroit, like – you look at Jacksonville. I mean, teams that have money that could spend money that certainly aren't winning right now. Although I think Detroit, you know, after that week they had this weekend, and we've talked about Dan Campbell. I think Detroit's kind of a sneaky, intriguing landing spot for free agents, you know, because you see what they're doing. You see how that team sort of buy it in for Campbell. And, you know, maybe they try to make something happen with Jared Goff. Maybe they try to make something with a Tyler Hundley via trade. Like, I don't know. But that could be a, a desirable destination. Obviously, Jacksonville is a bit of a mess, but they still have so much money. And, you know, you might want to go play with Trevor Lawrence. But Chris Godwin, I think, for me, is the most excited. Yeah, I he was the most exciting for me, that's for sure. Um, and I think long-term still is. But if, if I'm going to roll with somebody else, I would say Michael Gallup, you know, just to see what he's going to be able to do with an expanded role. It's not that, like, he isn't a starter for the Cowboys. It's just that... Will a team try him on as their primary? Will right. they look at him and say, "Can can he be that guy?" And then I would say a second option, probably. I, I'd like you know I would like to see the Rams re-sign Odell Beckham and just see how that goes with the trio of Woods and Cup and and see if they can do that. But with Van Jefferson waiting in the wings, they might decide that they don't want to do that. And so Beckham's shown, I think, enough in the past three to four games that, you know, that there shouldn't be too many concerns about him. But, you know, and then there's Cordero Patterson. Yeah. You know, if I'm Atlanta, I would try to resign him. And I would probably try and talk him into, listen, we gave you a shot. You were, you know, it's never worked the to the level that it has here. Right. You know? We can keep this thing rolling. We can build. We can build a little bit around you with this for another year or two, you know. And I and I think that he would be wise to stay in Atlanta, um, yeah. unless there's a team out there that is going to use a very similar system 
Um, and I just don't think there are many that will. So, um, you know, that's, you know, if there's a team that, that I think should take a chance on him, <laughs> it would be San Francisco. Um, yeah. Because San Francisco is just a, a better version of what Atlanta's doing in terms of what fits Cordero Patterson best. And that way they don't have to use Debo Samuel quite as extensively as the running back, or they can make him and Debo interchangeable yeah. as the running back. Yeah. Um, and and the wide receiver in those in that those cases. And I think he would fit well. I'm just not sure you know, I'm not sure how that's gonna go. But it, those are those are a few that are exciting to me. So who impressed you this weekend in any level, team, unit, player? I mean, Tyler Huntley's an easy one, um, you know, and I know we're probably going to talk about him a little bit, but, you know, to, to bring that to within a point, um, I thought he played really well. I thought he saw the field pretty well, which I think was kind of impressive. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, I, not that he had to do a ton, but, you know, that team's playing well right now and he's doing exactly what's asked of him. And so I, I think that was impressive. The Colts defense, you know, early in that game, they did everything they wanted to do. And they talked a lot building up to that game that we're going to be physical. We're going to stop the run. Darius Leonard exploding downhill, chopping down the, that crack toss. You know, Willis, Kyrie Willis, their safety, same thing. New England does so much with asking their tight ends and their, you know, their wide receivers, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry those crack blocks because they want to get those advantageous angles in the, in the blocking game, in the run game. They just erased them. They erased those angles. And, you know, you could say, well, maybe New England should have adjusted earlier, got to play action stuff earlier and things like that to take advantage of it. But even when they did, they were making plays. And so I was impressed with the Colts defense too. Yeah. I love all of those picks. And, you know, that Darius Leonard um, interception was very impressive to me because even though, yes, he, you, you know, you would have liked to have seen Mac Jones get a little more air under that ball. It was, even if, whether you would argue that Jones saw him and just tried to throw, you know, throw into the leverage advantage that it appeared he had at a split second, or whether he didn't see him because he thought that that Leonard had was playing tight and then dropped back, and when he came off that sluggo route, he didn't see, he didn't see him. Either way, it appeared at a moment that Mac Jones had the leverage advantage. And for yeah. Leonard to make that pivot, you know, away from his where he was heading and extend for that ball was super impressive. I like what I saw from Charles Harris, um, the the defensive end linebacker out of Missouri, who was a yeah. early round pick in Miami, played in, uh, had a pit stop in Atlanta, maybe had a had a, a, a you know a smothered covered you know scattered. You know, and then came over came over to Detroit on kind of a prove it situation, and he's I think he's proven it. He's not a primary, yeah. you know, rusher for a team. He is for maybe this one, but he's a guy you can work with because he does a great job of cleaning up. He has very good use of his hands. I love the way he sets people up. Um, he may not turn the corner with the best of them, but he can do it pretty well. And then what really impressed me the most was his linebacker skills to drop and cover, to be able to tackle Kyler Murray in open space. And I understand that Murray's probably still dinged with that ankle and may not be at his best. 
but he's not that far away. I mean, I, I think that what Harris did in that game, you know, covering, you know, open space as a linebacker was a lot more impressive than I, than I expected. So, um, who surprised you this year, good or bad? I mean, Mac Jones. Um, it's probably an easy answer, but I thought he's ahead of where I expected him to be. Now, this was always sort of the Jones argument was the floor, not the ceiling and things like that. So there's probably long-term considerations there. But I think Mac Jones is one. Mon Ross St. Brown. Um, and, and I was kind of high on him to begin with. Um, going into this year, but I've been very impressed with his skill set. I've been very impressed with how he's played so far. You know, another player that I, I think has kind of surprised me, you know, and it's Garoppolo. Um, and it's never easy when they draft your replacement. It, it's never easy. You've seen some quarterbacks, Jimmy, Joe, Joe Flacco, for example, sort of not handle it well. But I've been very impressed with how Garoppolo sort of handled this moment. Um Never really seemed to let it get to him. Seemed to sometimes at moments celebrate Trey Lance. You know, his first touchdown pass obviously was a preseason game, but he seemed to sort of enjoy seeing that. But never sort of went downhill, went to a dark place. And now he's running this team. They're in playoff position. He's doing what's asked of him. It's never easy when you are confronted with your athletic mortality in a sense, but He's confronted it well and handled it well. So I think he deserves some credit. And that was, in a sense, surprising because when you see a team expend those kinds of resources, you expect, look, this is it for me. You know, the writing's on the wall. Everybody in the media says that I'm done. But here we are. It's Christmas time and we're in the playoffs and I'm the guy right now. I think that's impressive. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's an entirely fair way of looking at him. K.J. Osborne out of, out of yeah. University of Miami, you know, he hasn't been a consistently – you know, top player as a wide receiver, but when they've leaned on him, he's performed well and he's made big plays. It's not just the plays where you go, oh, well, he's got a mismatch or he's wide open on a crosser with Thielen and, um, you know, and Jefferson in the game. I've seen him make contested catches, make big plays where they needed him to make those big plays. And this was a guy who was really like your classic athlete recruit at Miami where he was running back. They put him as a kick returner. They just used him as a space player and hope he'd learn the wide receiver position on the fly. And the fact that he's worked his way up past guys that maybe from a fantasy perspective, D.D. Westbrook and Amir Smith-Marset and and Dan Chesna and, and guys and Brandon Zilstra at one time, that all those guys were you know, maybe not the most impressive from, you know, a high-end perspective. Those are all guys who are good wide receivers. They're good pro-wide receivers from the perspective of that. They're going to make several teams over the course of their their career, even if they're never going to be stars, you know. And for him to, you know, for him to get that role within, in year two, the way he did and perform to it, I'm very impressed from yeah. where he came from. So tell us about your thoughts on Tyler Huntley. Cause I mean, you know, you watch him over the past couple weeks and you know, there's a lot to like about, you know, about his game. Um, I don't think he's, you know, I've heard people talk about Lamar Jackson as if like, 
Tyler Huntley's looked better than Lamar Jackson. I'm not ready to go there, but I certainly think he's. I certainly think that he played well. What do you yeah, think? I do too, and I'm I'm in the same boat. Like people have asked me already, do you think that they should go with him? And I'm not ready to go there. I'm not ready if I'm Baltimore to adjust how we approach a Lamar Jackson extension because of what we've seen from Tyler Huntley. But I'm somebody who thought Tyler Huntley should have gotten a combine invite. Like he was the better quarterback in the Pac-12, at least on a statistical or an efficiency standpoint than Justin Herbert was. You know, I'm somebody that thought he should have got drafted. I mean, you know, I actually went back and looked at my, you know, pre-draft profile on what USA Today, and I basically said a team that has an athletic quarterback as their starter or wants to move in that direction philosophically would be smart to draft Tyler Huntley. And a team with an athletic quarterback eventually ended up with him because he didn't go drafted in, in the Baltimore Ravens. And I thought when I wrote that, I had Baltimore in mind. I thought he was like a perfect backup for Lamar, a perfect complimentary type player with their skill set. I think he does see the field well. I think when he was at Utah, I did a video on the RSP, talked about how he responds to pressure and how he can make anticipation throws. And he, I, I'm not really surprised that he's played well. Um, I, I do think that, you know, in terms of seeing the field, there are some things that he does that, are, that do stand out in reads and things like that. I, I think, you know – it's, it's impressive to see it. I think that, you know, maybe a team gives him a shot. Like I mentioned Detroit, you know, do you look at this draft class and say, you know what, we're out. We're going we're gonna to trade for Tyler Huntley. It's Huntley versus Goff next training camp. Something like that wouldn't surprise me. So I'm excited to see it. And I, I think it's been great, you know, that, what, that what he's done, the two starts that he's had. Yeah. And I think that you're – I think you're dead on to want to pinpoint Detroit as that team where he can compete with golf, iron sharpening iron in the sense yep. to see who can be better. Um, and you get some depth at that position as you're building because you, you've got decent trench play. You yep. added a nice receiver in Josh Reynolds who's going to get his, I think, going to get another chance. To, and he's getting a chance to show that he's a legitimate starter receiver in the league. And yeah. add that with Hawkinson and the, the running backs that they have, you, you know, as they can build the rest of this team out, these two guys can keep, keep you competitive. And what I liked about Huntley that's different than Lamar Jackson is that he is better throwing to the outside. He's yeah. better as a perimeter thrower. And I think that's what probably gets some people – excited about him or talking about maybe he looked better than Lamar because they see that one aspect of his game. And yeah. then they see, well, he can still make some of the throws that Lamar makes over the middle and he'll, he's willing to, to target into tight windows. And he's certainly still a runner. He gained 73 yards on 13 carries against green Bay. And, yep. you know, he's got the deep arm to be able to, and he's targeting guys like, you know, Rashad Bateman in the way that Bateman looked good at Minnesota in his penultimate year with the Gophers, um, you know, going up and winning the ball that made him an early round prospect in a lot of people's eyes in a way that Lamar doesn't do. But here's the thing, when you go to the, and some of this may be experience, but I think more of it is, is that Lamar Jackson is excellent in the red zone. And yeah. I think that you look at Huntley, and that's an area that he just needs more seasoning. He needs to develop a better balance of between patience and urgency, knowing which side of the field to go to when there's pressure. Um, he's not as good as a runner. When you watch him as a runner um, and a mover, he's able to find the solution 
but it takes him a little longer to find it. It takes a little more haphazard movement for him to get there. You can tell that he moves with a bit of a nervous, what am I going to do energy? Whereas Lamar is kind of, his movement is more of a, I know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get, I I just have to take these steps to get here. Whereas with Huntley, it more feels like, where am I going? Where am I going? Oh, there's a place. And and by the skin of his teeth, he gets there. Um, So, you know, it's a difference that is important. So I'm with you. I hope he gets an opportunity. I think he deserves an opportunity to compete for a role on a team that could use a quarterback. And I certainly think Detroit would be wise not to get a quarterback this year and and to roll with him. Um, What do you want to see or where do you want to see Mike Thomas next year? I mean, is he going to just come back to the Saints or, or are they going to try and trade him? I mean, you know, you wonder about the cap numbers because they're in such a strange cap position to be in with. You know, I think his cap hit is like $27 million next year, but maybe the numbers still make it worthwhile for them to move him. Philadelphia um, is a place I'd like to see him, partly because Philadelphia still has to figure out the receiver position. You know, obviously some investments in guys like Jalen Ragor, I don't think that's quite panned out. Quez Watkins hasn't quite panned out. I think Devonta Smith is certainly a, a – going to be a great it is a great nfl receiver but you need more than just one you know and and having thomas as a compliment to smith having a guy that can win early in the down consistently i think is something that will help jalen hurts because again working under the assumption that hurts will be the guy at least for next year and now interestingly enough you know as the eagles kind of are in sort of the playoff mix and you look at teams like miami and indianapolis who you know, earlier in the year, it looked like they'd have three picks and maybe the top six. Now they might not have one of the top 10. You know, they've got three later round picks in the first round. You know, you might not be able to get sort of the alpha type receiver, you know, whether it's in your mind of Williams or, you know, Olave or Wilson or, you know, Traylon Burks. Like, you know, maybe you have to wait on receiver and you've done a bad job at evaluating receivers to begin with. Maybe go get a proven commodity in, in Michael Thomas. And so, if the idea is the Saints are going to have to move him, I like Philadelphia. I think that's a smart choice, and I'll go with one that isn't going to make any sense from a competitive standpoint, and teams won't do it. But I'd like to see him there from just when you look at the the scheme, and that's Atlanta, um, yeah, because they've got Kyle Pitts on the outside. If Calvin Ridley comes back, he's a fine outside player, but neither of those players, in my opinion are guys who are really your primary player. Certainly Pitts is very close and can be, but if you give Matt Ryan, and I hope it's Matt Ryan for the, if they do this, is that right. you give Matt Ryan Michael Thomas and you let him play in the middle or selectively switch him around, Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley get better on the outside because of Michael Thomas on the inside. And I think that would make up for losing Cordero Patterson if they lose Cordero Patterson to the extent that now Thomas is that underneath option who plays very smart, sophisticated football who should be on the same page with Matt Ryan in a way that they'll quickly acclimate to one another. Right. So that I would like to see. Not going to happen, but no, I'd like to see. No, it. Well, but that would be that would be great. Yeah. So um you know, and then I think maybe if we were to look at another team where that could be a possibility, 
I would say Las Vegas. Um, yeah. You know, because of the same type of thing. You can get Waller. You can use Waller more on the outside. You know, Brian Edwards is a guy that I'd like to see him take another step and be able to get better separating. Um, yeah. And, and if he can do that, then, you know, Thomas would be a really nice addition who can be flexible to what this team is looking for. Um, you know, so those are those are two right there. Um, if you were, you know, a an offensive mind for a team or you owned a team and you could play fantasy football with your team like some of these coaches these uh owners do what would be your base offense what are alignments you'd lean on run i mean percentage goals things like that my heart as an old flex bone guy would say look we're running the flex bone you know (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna get a quarterback or two that could with that could run that kind of offense. You know, it's sort of a market inefficiency when you look at, say, the college game and you see some of these quarterbacks that you know aren't making the NFL but could run that offense. We'll get two. We'll get two because you'll need two in that system. We'll get ourselves some running backs, and we'll we'll get some wide receivers that can win at the catch point. And that's what we're gonna run. We're gonna run an offense that is difficult to prepare for, mostly because today's CBA rules as they are. As an NFL team, as an NFL defensive coordinator, to have to go from defending what you see week in and week out to having just that compressed time frame to get ready for a flex bone offense, that's going to be tough. You know, that's going to be tough. And, and you know, yeah, there are problems with it, and it might take sort of a year or two to get it all down from a blockage standpoint and things like that. And you might have some players that aren't going to want to be in that kind of system, so it might be tough to attract free agents originally. I think you could be successful because, you know, exploited market inefficiencies and things like that because it's going to be tough to prepare for that week in a week out. And now, eventually, divisional opponents might sort of catch up to you, but not the people you're playing, you know, around the conference and around the, the league. And so my heart says that, but my head says something like the sort of McVay-Shanahan tree, right? Under center, un, you know, outside zone, wide zone, boot action built off of that, flood concepts. So if you could make it work for guys like Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield and, you know, to a sense, Jimmy Garoppolo – now you can see with a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, you can unlock bigger things or a guy like Justin Herbert, where every time he rolls out, Robert May said the most exciting moment on the football field every week now is when Herbert comes off of that run fake. And you know, yeah, he might have the over, but he's going to throw this deep. Like he's just going to uncork that deep shot. So then you, you have the ability with a quarterback like that to unlock the further potentials of that offense, you know, down the field in the passing game. So while my heart says a flex bone, I'm going to go with that sort of Shanahan McVay tree kind of offense. Nice. I would say, I I think that's a, that's a tough one to beat, but I would, I would say for me, I like what the Vikings and Cleveland Browns do with their offense. Do yeah. I like the quarterback that they get with it? No, but if you can land a quarterback who can, Give you, I mean, and certainly Kirk Cousins has played good football. There's yep. no, no doubt about that. But give me a guy who can be, has an even better arm, who's even, who has actual legit mobility, like, yeah. like legit threat with mobility, not, not somebody who pony kicks on five yard runs like they, they're, you know, they're Walter Payton. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it excites Browns fans, I guess. Right. But, you know, whatever. Um, not this Browns fan. Um, 
but I would like to see something like that. Um, it would be fun if Lamar Jackson were better as a deep thrower. Oh my God! Yeah, Lamar Jackson on that in that offense um, with that that personnel would just be downright scary. Um, but I would want to pound you in this environment where everything's base nickel. I I just believe that when you when you are a base nickel, that's a reaction to that every offense that you see is basically spreading the field. And so when you do that, now the conventional move for defenses is to play that base. That means that, you know, they've adapted to the situation and now the conventional play, and once something's conventional, it's no longer safe. That's my belief in competitive arenas. And so why are you going to make your base offense something that, that most defenses see every week? Make your base offense something that most defenses don't see every week and have to bring put their least competent um, personnel and and least practiced alignments into what's in the play. Look at look at the Packers game. If Lamar Jackson's in that game, I believe they win that game outright because the Patriots don't face that. They yeah. don't face what the Ravens do, and so. They played. They played so soft, and some of that had to do, of course, with some of the secondary issues that they had. Right. But you know, the, this team at its heart would have just basically run over the the Packers. Um, yeah. You know, and, and when you look at the system that they have, so is there something about the NFL that if you could change it, what would you do, on or off the field? There are so many things here, but I think the <laughs> easiest one that comes off the top of my head, we're still relied on two sticks and some eyes to figure out where the ball is on a given play and how hard do you have to go for a first down. And when we have the technology to do basically whatever we want, we have chips on these players that track them to within a foot or so of where they are geospatially. Why can't we figure out an easier way to spot the football and to keep the down a distance? You could have the chains for nostalgia purposes. You could have change as a backup plan in case chips in the football malfunction but yeah we have the ability to do it a little bit better because you know that sort of end into the Titans Steelers game was just comical you know everybody sort of watching it knew there was nowhere that ball was nowhere close to the first down marker and here we are millions of dollars on the line playoff bursts on the jobs on the line and we're sort of guessing our way through it that just doesn't make sense to me yeah I have two, and I'm they're kind of at a dead heat. Um, okay. The first is, I would, I would repeal the, the way that the NFL had, um, that has embraced gambling. Um, really? Yeah, I'm just I'm not a fan of it. Um, I don't mind gambling. I'm not a teetoler. I certainly, right. you know, fine, and, and you know, it's not a morality thing. I just don't like the idea of the league being so heavily embraced with it because I think that I know the fear seems maybe it seems too old school, but it just seems like at some point we're going to find out that that somebody did something to to pay off a debt, you know, and and it may not happen. It may not happen five or ten years from now. But it's going to happen at a point where everyone assumes it's safe, 
and then you're going to hear stories after people retired, you know, yeah. about what, what really went down. And I just don't want the NFL to be some version of high lie, you know, right. And, you know, and I, I would hate that to happen. And then just in my own kind of snarky sort of way, I would say I would like there to be what I would call the, um, God, I can't, I don't have a nickname for this writer, so I can't say his name out loud or else it'll give it away. But let's just say the, we'll call it the, we'll call it the common sense competency test for NFL owners. You know, it's not just about money that, that gets you into this. Right. Uh, but you've got to pass some common sense tests. Like you can't go into a, into an open public arena and, and you can't say loud enough, why are you whispering to me? Just give me the password, you know, and, right. and say it loud in front of like a bunch of people who you don't know in a public space. Um, because you know, you, you may just be giving away free information, um, that, that would be, uh, that's easily accessible to just common blokes, you know, I'll just put it that way. And if you're that clueless, I don't want you running an NFL team. I'll just put yeah. it to, to, to that way. And there are some, some problems. Oh, yeah, ones. absolutely. I'll put it that way. I've benefited. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> um, what's a, hey, Mark, what's a, what's a personal or career goal you can share that you have for the next few years? This is an interesting one. Um, you know, I, I could sort of be high-minded here and say that I just want to continue to create good content, that I, I want to get better at what I what I do. I want to expand my knowledge base, I, you know, expand it into different positions in terms of evaluation, learn more about the defensive side of the ball. And, and those things are all true. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I want one paycheck. That's what I want. Okay. And I, I'm tremendously lucky to have the opportunities that I do, um, you know, writing at USA Today, doing shows and videos and writing over the various SB Nation sites and things like that. But it's you get pulled in a lot of different directions, you know, and there are some weeks where I would like, man, I would love to take one topic. Colts defense, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, whatever. And spend my week diving into it and going like deep lawn form on it, like talking to people, interviewing people, things like that. And I know that's typically not what I do. I'm more of a, hey, here's what happened or here's why this happened and here's the film. You know, but there are times when I find myself reading pieces like that. I'm like, man, I'd love to do something like that. And the opportunity when you can sort of just sit down and have one outlet and just do things like that is certainly exciting and appealing to me. Now, maybe that never happens and that's fine. And if I'm, you know, doing what I'm doing at 17 different websites or outlets or whatever, you know, for the rest of the way. Okay. I mean, that's great. You know? Um, but there's, there, there are those moments what I'm very envious of people in those positions where it's like, Hey, here's 5,000 words on what we're seeing from this team or this concept or this coach or whatever. That stuff sounds like it would be fun to do. Uh, but when you're getting pulled in like 15 different directions, which is, again, it's also a good thing, right? You know, because I've got, you know, people that want stuff from me. Okay, 
that that's cool too. But there are moments when I'm like, man, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I get it. You know, I looked at I looked at Ben Solak's piece from this past week, and that's a great example of that um, with what he did with you know how NFL defenses are playing. You know, yeah. And so, so I get it. I absolutely get that. Um, I two things kind of come to mind for me. I think that from a career goal, I'd like to, I'd like to get as in depth about the, the craft of tackling. Yeah. As I do with other things that I look at right now. And I think I'm going to realize that over the next three to five years I've I've got. So that's one that I'm, I'm kind of going, um, I would, you know, I'd say that's probably the most immediate one. That's, that's a career goal. We'll put it that way. Um, all right, let's play the Shirley, Shirley McLean question of the week here. I was a blank in my past life. If there's such a thing as past lives. I was driving back with the family yesterday from a, a long weekend in the Ohio area of all places. Um, no, I was not there as a potential last-minute starting quarterback, friends, for the <laughs> Cleveland Browns, let's put it that way. Um, and I gave a lot of thought to this question. I think the best answer for me, I was a cat. I was a cat in a previous life. And that's only just partially a nod to all the like cat-created content that I put out there. And as an aside... Uh, every time I pop onto Facebook, you get that like Facebook memories of like, here's what you were posting about 10 years ago. And I got one of those over the weekend and it was from like 2007 or something like that, 2009 maybe. And it was something like newsflash cats hate water. Cats have claws. I hope to stop the bleeding soon. (laughs) And this was like pre me football writer, on Twitter, all that stuff. Yes, even before that, I was using cats as a means of creating content, albeit on Facebook. So, but this is only partially an odd to that. Cats are so carefree. They just do what they want without a care in the world. And that is the absolute opposite of me right now. I mean, you know me, I'm pretty, pretty tightly wound, constantly battling anxiety. So what I'm going through now is kind of payback, karmatic payback for my previous life as a cat where I was just lounging on somebody's sofa or lounging in a sunbeam somewhere and didn't care about anything in the world that had nothing to worry about. And now the sort of universe is saying, you enjoyed that, huh? That was good, huh? You like that, huh? Well, here you go. Now you're going to be terrified and panic stricken at 5 a.m. in the morning when you're not sure if this is the free throws video you want to do about, you know, Jeremy Garoppolo because you're worried that people are going to make fun of it. Now, enjoy. So I, I've just learned a I've just learned something very important about Mark. Oh, this should be good. Yeah, which is that which is that Mark thinks the universe is punishing him as opposed to giving him opportunities. Yeah. So yeah. deep That's down, how my mind works, deep right? Down, deep down, yeah. Mark feels like the universe is punishing him, which I don't think it is, but that's No, just it's my absolutely own. not. But here's the thing. I know that it's not, and I still think that it is, yeah. which is how messed up my mind works. Yeah, that's okay. I know someone very well who also shares that, oh, same, that same point of view. Um, but yeah. I, I would joke this came from a tweet because somebody said something about running backs. I think I was a running back in my past life. That's okay. basically that's basically all I can say <laughs> is that I probably was a running back in my past life. Probably a probably a slow one who was um, 
who had some power and had some movement and had vision, but didn't have a lot of speed. So I was basically Peyton Barber in my past life. So that was that. That's basically where that one goes. What's the best piece of advice you've heard recently that you'd want to share with listeners? You know, we're coming on the end of the year and it's been another year. I mean, just, you know, I'll do the Twitter meme vaguely gesturing towards everything right now. Um, And it's a lot. And as such, you scroll through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And every once in a while you see reminders that, look, that person at the grocery store that's holding up your line or the person at the toll booth that's like struggling to get the change out or is fumbling for the easy pass or, you know, the mom at CVS that's like at three screaming kids, they're all going through something. Like we're all going through something right now. Try to remember that. Like it's hard for everybody right now. And Try to remember that everybody you come across is sort of dealing with something that has them at their wits end. Maybe it's not immediately putting them at their wits end. Maybe it's something sort of more long term, but everybody is fighting like hell right now. Um, And don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the fact that everybody's sort of working through things, albeit differently, maybe with different viewpoints. Um, But everybody's sort of it's not easy. You know, life is never easy to begin with. You add in all the struggles that have been put in front of us as a global community over the past couple of years, past two years in particular, it's hard. And try not to lose that sort of sense of shared humanity along the way. We may not agree with people on everything. We may not see things the same way, but we're all struggling. And try your best to remember that. Yeah, I think it's fantastic advice. And, And I'll add a different take on that, and then I'll give my own, which is that life is struggling and suffering life is suffering um and now that sounds really pessimistic the way that the way i just stated that to a lot of people i actually look at it in a very optimistic sort of way because once you recognize that life is about suffering you can look at things that you willingly put yourself situations you willingly put yourself into you want to be in them you're embracing them you've you know and you realize that in order to maybe achieve something you're sacrificing or you're you're putting in effort and sometimes that effort isn't fun or easy and that's a form of suffering maybe it's not suffering in the sense of you know you know we think of the ultimate forms of suffering you know people who've been tortured or people who've been through genocide or you know people who've lost so much you don't have to lose something to suffer you know training is a form of suffering you know, to put it on a lighter spectrum. So learning how to suffer with grace and to embrace the suffering to an extent without going overboard with it, I think is a very important thing. Um, I'll, I'll add another piece of advice because I've been, I've looked back on my life right now and I realize that I've been either aspiring to be in careers that either everybody wants to have but very few get or um, I've been in careers that anybody pretty much can be in, but nobody wants to be in. <laughs> and so the, you know, but on the other end of it, the, the first end, I heard this great um, little anecdote from a musician who basically was at like a 
like at a paid music camp and they, his name was Joe Henderson and Joe Henderson was a, a great jazz saxophonist who is um, you know who played with a number of masters he was a master in his own right a Grammy award-winning saxophonist who was very influential back in like the 60s 70s and 80s and early 90s um, and he was someone asked him about um, you know during a, a camp with adults and young aspiring very good players um, who were taking a week to like learn from him and work with a bunch of other players so this this woman asked him well you know I've been thinking about wanting I mean I want to go into this this profession I want to go into this field and she was a talented young woman but I'm I'm kind of wondering if maybe I should get my business degree if I maybe I should go and and get a fallback and do this, and he immediately said, "Get the degree, um, go do you know go into something else," and this, it was already pretty well established that this person was talented, you know, yeah. and she said I wasn't expecting you to say that, and he said, "Well, he goes, if you." If you already are thinking that you need to get a fallback, then you need to get a fallback in, in yeah. what you do. Um, and he goes, because in this profession, you there are no fallbacks. And you you can't um, and when you and if you head towards the fallback and realize that you don't want to do anything else other than, you know, pursue music or pursue scouting or pursue, you know, acting or whatever it is that you, it is. And, and really what it is is that you can't imagine doing anything else. That's when you should go after that because right. it takes that kind of commitment, you know, and it take and here's the thing. If you're a young person listening to this or, even if you're not young, I wasn't young when I was considering going into this this yep. weird field um, that I'm in. But you have to have the mindset where you're like, I just can't imagine doing anything else. I mean, I I and if I and I need to go for it because if it doesn't work out, I'll accept what I have to do afterwards. I gave it my shot. And yep. then I'll figure it out from there. And yes, I may be behind, you know, society and behind what they have going on. But that's something that I would, I would, I would say is important because you need to have that kind of commitment. And if you find out it's not working for you, you'll know that you need to get out. But yeah. But if you don't know, and you're not sure, then that's kind of the thing. So, um, any questions? Any questions you have on the list here, or shall we? Um, we got, I had a conversation. I've got one. I had a conversation with our mutual friend Rivers McCown. Um, he, he had some nice things to say about this show. Um, Rivers is one of my favorites out there. Um, and he asked me and I didn't get a chance to answer it yet because I did a three throws video on Davis Mills and he asked me any big picture thoughts on the Houston Texans. So that's my question, Matt, any big picture thoughts on the Houston Texans right now? I think they should go exactly like the Detroit Lions suggestion you have. Um, they're not as close, I think, as the Lions are. Right. Um, but, I, 
But I think that Davis, I like what I've seen from Davis Mills. I do um, too. You know, yeah. And and it's and I think it's the improvements he made from the first stint as a starter, where you yeah. were like, I think you looked at him and you were fair with your assessment and saying, you know, there's some things there, but there's stuff that he really needs to work on. And I think he showed some improvement, you know, especially once the Tyrod Taylor, they said, step aside, Tyrod. And, and, and Mills is recognizing certain coverages yep. that are being disguised. He's able to take advantage of that. He continues to be confident and getting a little better throwing down the field. And he's making incremental improvements there. I think he's poised. Um, and when you watch his games, I mean, it's like high completion percentages and he's still taking some shots downfield. Maybe they're not yep. super aggressive shots all the time, but there's some plays there you're looking at. You're going, I'm pretty impressed with what I see there. So my advice would be stick with Mills and keep building. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am too. I mean, it wasn't going to be a one-year turnaround. So, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to draft a very talented player at the start of the draft. You don't need to force a quarterback. Obviously, there's a Deshaun Watson elephant in the room, which we can leave for another time. But, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I think there's something to Davis Mills to at least entertain over the next year or so. Well, hopefully we entertained you this week at, you know, at the RSP cast and, you know, Mark and I are grateful for the opportunity to be able to do this work. And, and certainly Absolutely. you can find Mark's work, you know, Sco's throws, the three throws that he does. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Schofield, TDWire at USA Today. Um, you, you know, fantastic stuff, Pat's pulpit. Um, pretty much he's in demand pretty much everywhere from folks who want to have an awesome podcast guest someone who does writing about the quarterback position as well as, you know, receivers and other spot, you know, other parts of the field and strategy, you know, you can't do much better. I can tell you that. Um, and you can't do much better with the rookie scouting portfolio, which is no, available can. for pre-sale. You can get it for, um, you know, 1995 right now, pre-draft, post-draft. If you get the early bird purchase um, through Saturday, Saturday's the last day for it. Um, great response thus far. Really appreciate the response. It's always nice to get emails from people who are saying, this is my 12th year getting this. That's and awesome. it continues to get better. This is my 11th year. It continues to get better. This is shares my dynasty team. Or I love this podcast. And I love the, the way that you guys go about doing what you do. It's helped me learn how to, to understand football better. That, that, you know, the RSPs, you know, gives you that. And you can buy the projections package early if you'd like to there's no discount for that um because that's basically the cheat code to the test um and that's i do all the rsp work with the pre-draft post-draft to arrive at a lot of the projections that i do and updates with what i do so i'm not giving away the process you, you know for free so that you, you can you know pay less for for what that is but so far people have been very happy about that and they say that if the two tie together very well it closes the loop on the analysis in a way that they're very appreciative of so i appreciate you know appreciate you guys going to mattwaldman.com to get that and i promise you you will appreciate that you did um absolutely more than anything there so thanks again folks hope you have a wonderful holiday season we will be back on the other side of the new year possibly with some shows um depending on how much you know that depends on how draft season goes um but we will be uh we will definitely be profiling um you know delivering content like we usually do thanks and y'all have a great week